I'm sorry, comrade, you're not allowed to make a speech on the issue, but you've made your concern. Right, I live in Wallasey, yeah. I work at Camel uh, Shipbuilders. I've been in the Labour Party since I was 16. I was the secretary of the YS for a couple of years. Um, I'm now secretary of the constituency Labour Party. I'm delegate to this year's conference. And Birkenhead, I mean, the main things were like the docks and uh, the shipbuilding, ship repair. And most of the um, ship repair industry has been run down now. And Western Ship Repairs was the, the biggest of the repair yards. That closed down about three or four years ago. I'm a great believer in hard work and initiative. My attraction to the Conservative Party is the party of free enterprise. And I do think it encourages small businesses. After all, Napoleon despised them, and look where that got him. My main interest is the European Union of Women. As a matter of fact, we've just been on our first ever trip to the United States. When I went shopping one evening in a mad moment and just leapt out of a taxi and bought a dress and said to the assistant, well, you know, fancy being able to buy a dress at half past ten at night, her answer was, well, if you want to make a buck, you've got to be open when the customers are there. And I was very impressed. Mm -hmm. And when they said, have a nice day, it wasn't just a meaningless phrase. I found them very interested, particularly in the Falklands. Mm. As they said in Norfolk, Virginia, are you British? And I said, yes. They said, you're done good in the Falklands. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, What's Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are in the you know ascendancy I, I, within the within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing the hard left agenda, printing money, nationalising without compensation, hard left-wing position, hard the left, the hard 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 left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 Fair play. Um, we have a two-man episode today. We, we have indeed, yeah. We've been watching a bit of Ken Loach, one of his documentaries from the 1980s. It's basically the Red and the Blue, and it's a documentary that kind of focuses on the 1983 Labour conferences. Labour and Tory conferences. Yes, the Labour and Tory conferences, and it's basically a kind of side-by-side -side comparison of them. A shot by Ken Loach, and it's... Uh, it's it's quite something, isn't it? Really, because it's it's there's there's a few things that are worth talking it's about. It's a in striking there. juxtaposition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got kind of in one like towards the end, as the conference comes to an end, it's just like a ball essentially that they yeah. have. They're all in tuxedos and dresses. Awful. And it's awful. It's like eyes he... wide shut with clothes. <laughs> like, it's grim. It is honestly, and the conversations they have. They don't go anywhere. They just talk about random shit. It's just it's it's, it's so it's, it's, inconsequential non sequiturs. 
David Lynch esque impact. Which the way they blink their eyes. They blink that. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, you commented a lot on the blinking, actually. That seemed to particularly strike you. It was, yeah, I think the lizards could have been, you know, breaking out of the, you know, you know. They show scenes from both the Labour and the Tory conference, and there are some characters who they keep coming back to. So there's that one sort of northern Tory. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. He sort of is dressed in this kind of, like, awful, like, brown suit. has this, like, vile moustache, like, this yeah, awful, he's... like, pudding basin haircut. A repulsive man. They keep coming back to him in the film, and he's just pontificating on just shit. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you're not going to get... A, sharpest analysis of this from me right now just <laughs> shit <laughs> it is so he's like what which like i wouldn't be surprised if he ended up moving on to the british national party like years <laughs> later because honestly some of the things he comes out with are just really like, really like and he has like this really kind of intent look to him every time like really like really kind of you know, fascist, uh, fascistic elements to him <laughs> there are. Yeah. Just in, you know, the way he's dressed and stuff, it's uh, it's questionable. The bit that struck me was when there's, there's this whole discussion on criminal justice. So they're sort of talking, he's talking with, I guess, like a group of activists and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. So are they, like, young Tory activists? I, I don't know. They seem pretty, like, they, counter to his views. Yeah, they ways, didn't but... seem that Tory. No. Every single Ken Loach film, narrative or otherwise, has a scene t- generally towards the middle where everyone gets together in a room and talks everything out, like, you know, in his, yeah, <laughs> like in a public meeting. They see in Land and Freedom, that's a great example there as uh, well. In the Wind That Shakes the Barley. Yeah, uh, Jimmy's yeah. Hall is literally all about that. It's literally about the hall where they discuss he doesn't actually really do any films that are kind of about politics in the narrow sort of Westminster sense but of course um, well this is one which is about British party politics the, the age of uncertainty have to... Jock's calling oh cool Should we just... <laughs> hey Jock hang on it, oh, I'm just, I'm with Tom right now, and we're recording an episode of our podcast. <laughs> no, 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 hang on, let's put, let's put you on the line. Um, I'm very, I'm very messed up, mate, I'm, I'm quite over the limit of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Like, so, what, what have you, what have you been up to tonight? Well, I always struggled one of my mates that I was going to vote Lib Dem. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What are your thoughts on the upcoming election, Jock? Well, uh, not so much that, but I've actually come to a conclusion. It might be a bit like the Jewish conspiracy kind of thing, but I've come to a conclusion <laughs> that all Lib Dems are actually Christians. What? All, all, Lib, all Lib Dems are Christians. It's, it's, I know it's a sweeping statement, but... <laughs> I, I can't I can't find one that doesn't believe in Noah's Ark. <laughs> <laughs> and what's that other thing they believe? That the uh, chemicals in the water are turning the frogs gay. Yeah. Well the the frogs have always been gay. That's the thing about frogs, Jack. Like they they've lived free for uh, absolute millions of years and uh, they they've never had a problem, have they? They're so, still fried. So the Lib I don't see what the Lib Dems have got a problem with like Well the Lib Dems have got it wrong, haven't they? It's not the chemicals, it's just the way things are. 
well, we're definitely, well, yeah, definitely. But uh, if, 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 if the frogs want to be gay, like, come over to my pond on a, on a Sunday afternoon. I call it, I call it Sunday, but... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let, hang on. Let me see if I can if I can turn you up. Please don't turn me up. Oh God! Never, okay. turn, ne- never turn me up. Okay, but he's, <laughs> I've turned you up. Um, so, so Jock, yeah, you will you be casting your vote for the Labour Party in the upcoming election? Well, will I be slashing my vote? Casting your vote. Oh yeah, no, like completely. It's like hands down, one pound a month. <laughs> Uh, Labour fucking vote right there, yeah. What are your thoughts on Corbyn as a leader? I think he's ill-portrayed and he, he's a fucking... He's G as fuck, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, no, he's fucking great. And fuck the Tories and excuse <laughs> Pretty much, man. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really remember that. I can't, I can't actually remember the question, Jack. I'm off my fucking face. I just... <laughs> I, <laughs> I just basically yeah. asked about Labour and Corbyn. Oh, right. Uh, what, what was the question? Oh, it's just, do you, are they good, like, basically? Do you like him? Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, it's just fuck, yeah. Yeah, but Corbin not... All the way, like... <laughs> it's like, 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 everyone says he's a fucking pussy, and then, and then you see him fucking rally, and he's like... He's, he's like fucking Killer Mike. He's, he's, <laughs> he's a fucking mad dog. He's like, what, what he needs to do, if he wants to get the young vote, what, he, he needs to join up with Run the Jewels, get him a few bars on that, and... It'll, it'll be set for the election. What's Chris May got? Fucking rudimental. <laughs> not gonna happen. Not gonna fucking happen. I might, I might <laughs> add Killer Mike on Twitter and and see what he's saying about Jeremy Corbyn because I know he's a big fan of Sanders, but I've never heard him uh, weigh in on Corbyn. I think he must have some kind of opinion on Corbyn, <laughs> and and hopefully he he can portray it in uh, one of those amazing uh, merchandise tops that he has. <laughs> like, 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 those thousands. <laughs> That's a valid concern. That's a legitimate concern, as absolutely, they'd say. Absolutely. Chuck, have you seen I, Daniel Blake yet? What's that? Uh, you know the film I, Daniel Blake, Ken Loach? Oh, no, I've not actually seen that, but oh. I don't think people have cried. Yeah, check it out, man. I still haven't uh, seen I've, it. I've, I've actually not, oh, been, really? not been catching up on my films recently. We're not, like, live, are we? 
Um, no, 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 this is not being I'm broadcast. Good, we... Because I've been drinking carbonated water for the last hour and a half. We've got a few things on, and it's all gone a bit fucking walk around the park. What's left of the park, because I've literally destroyed everything and put a cafe in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so fucked, Jack. I'm so fucked. <laughs> I work at 7 o'clock. Oh, well. no. And I thought it was 11. <laughs> it's not. It it's is not. 12. It's 12.15. So, Jock, 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 tell us what happened with your Lib Dem mate. Hold on, we've got the man Dem. We've got the man Dem coming in. I might have to use the old carbonated water. We'll see what happens. Uh, what's up, mate? Well, tell us about what happened with your Lib Dem mate. He said there's more chance of the Lib Dems getting in, so what, why not back then? Kind of thing. And, uh, I kind of, uh, tried to, tried to stop the. The, the Tories getting in, which I, uh, it still probably won't work. They definitely yeah. haven't got more chance of getting in. They like a hundred percent haven't. I don't know. And I just had a, a bit of a raven fit earlier because uh, my parents both like, lived down as well. Oh man! <laughs> I don't know. I don't have, actually have anything of um, value to say here. To be honest, I was just hoping for some like unbridled abuse directed at Lib Dem voters. <laughs> If we burn their fence and, and, and Corbyn then sat on it and he gets a bit of firepower up in his arse, then, then maybe maybe the Labour Party could could win. I think they probably like they they definitely could. And I definitely hope they will. But at this point in the evening, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what what my middle name is. So really, it's nothing to do with me. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go in and lie down and drink a cup. I think that sounds like a good plan. Sorry to be a pest, and I'll um, I'll, I'll try and call you a later date with uh, maybe some more sobering, valuable information. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, it's good to talk to you anyway. Yeah, but Tommy F, you crazy bastard. Yeah. Bye. See you, Jock. Take care, bro. Bye. Okay. <laughs> oh, there you go. That was uh, Jock. That was Jock, our our friend. <laughs> Anyway, um... <laughs> the red and the blue. Um, the red and the blue. The red and the blue. I don't know how much of that we're going to put in the show. I don't know how much of that, for Jock's sake, we can put in the public domain. But yeah, the red and the blue. Um, so th this horrible, like, Northern Tory guy. Yeah. From, like, a sort of working-class community of the kind. He's obviously kind of grown up very, very kind of conservative values yeah so they're having this whole discussion about law and order and he's sort of like the problem is the deterrent for committing crimes is not there the thing that sort of warns people not to do it and somebody's like oh right well i guess you're talking about execution then and he's like hang on hang on i'm not talking about hanging and flaying in the streets it's like fucking hell and then i guess they're just like do you think we should have the death penalty then? And he's like, oh, well, yes, uh, for certain crimes. And they're like, what crimes? And he's like, crimes against the state, treason. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess it's uh, at that point. And they're like, oh, what? So should any member of the IRA be put to death automatically? And he's just like, the IRA would kill you in a flash. And this girl is just like... <laughs> I'm not really concerned what the IRA do to me or something. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> she is in the raw, like 100%. <laughs>
a definite, she's a definite she is there to about, kill yeah. that conservative MP. <laughs> the red and the blue. The red and the blue. The red and the blue. There's some familiar faces in there. There, there are. Uh, there we have Tony Some familiar Benny. eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Fucking Dennis Healy shows up from there. Kind of like watching from... Slug, yeah. slug above each eye. <laughs> we don't actually see him in action, I believe. And but... thank fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just see him kind of just watching from the sidelines. Yeah, just kind of like just disapproving walk. whenever kind of the young socialists are getting quite, you know, kind of frosty. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, you see Callahan there like... Uh, yeah, shit. Proceedings yeah. as well, don't you? Try not to, just trying to avoid shaking his head, you know, obviously with contempt. Yeah, and of course, as you said, you see Tony Benn. Absolutely. Quite a rousing speech. Yeah. What do you think of Tony Benn's appearances in uh, The Red and Blue? Oh, absolutely. His usual kind of, you know, rousing self. Kind Bennett of, is best. Bennett, absolutely, Bennett is best. And kind of, yeah. Ken Loach capturing that on film. Yeah. The Red and the Blue is an Italian stop-motion animated television series for children. It has two characters, both shapeshifters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, your suspicion was that the Conservative government didn't actually allow it to be shown on television. I don't know if it was the Conservative Party. I think it was um, Channel 4 who made the decision not to air it, but I don't know, maybe they were leaned upon. Because, of course, we know that in, at this time, I mean the following year in the minor strike in particular, the Conservative Party were exerting a pretty substantial influence over the editorial direction of the BBC. I know it's unthinkable that that could happen in this day and age. <laughs> Can we take a second out actually to talk about what fucking Tory cunts are, media are being, our state media are supposedly impartial public service broadcasters are being so brazenly Tory right now. Well, the tweet that you shared on the Real Politic account of Laura Kusenberg liking Kuhnsberg. <laughs> Laura Kuhn. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's happened on a few episodes. Okay, edit that out. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Laura Coonsby. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Coonsberg. There we go, we got it right. What about her? But you're letting the part out where I said, but there we got it right. And it out. <laughs> okay, yeah. About her. Who? Laura Coons. Laura Laura. The hard left. But yeah, well yeah. she is certainly yeah, not yeah. So Laura on the hard left. Um yeah, she was liking this tweet that was just the most absurd Okay, here we go. This is it. Okay, I f I found the tweet. So Laura Koonsberg liked a tweet by somebody called Bring Back Ring Back Oh, I don't know, like, okay, I can't pronounce their name, but they're at BBC Propaganda. And their tweet says, Len McCloskey is the true leader of the Labour Party. He pays the bills. He picks the face of a pretend leader. Hashtag BBC QT. And Laura Koonsberg is just like, spot on. <laughs> Gave us a fave, oh, God. which, of course, we have dutifully exposed. Who's the real public servants here? <laughs> it's reprehensible, and you've seen similar shit from Nick Robinson, who wrote a tweet which he sort of protested was completely impartial, but it had 
two successive phrases in it that clearly, nakedly had negative connotations. He said, you know, Corbyn, as he's always been, long on passion, short on detail, story of his life. How much more kind of dismissive can you get? That's clearly negative. And you've been seeing it from so many of these Tory slugs now. (laughs) You know, Dan Hodges kind of, you know. There's a Tory. Quite literally, he said, you know, he's now, he's going to be voting Tory in this election. You know, and he was a member of the Labour Party. Well, it's interesting. When when you go to The Guardian, you're kind of like, oh, you know, at least for all all its kind of flaws, you'll presumably, if, if, say, you're going to listen to a Guardian podcast on the election we're having, you're like, ah, well, it probably won't be presented by somebody who will be voting for the Conservative Party. David Aronovich's voice just comes across the airwaves when you listen. Any other paper doing a fucking podcast, I mean, I don't know if the people who the other papers aim for, like, a sort of, like, they still think that, like, a fucking fax machine is, like, state-of-the-art technology. So I don't know how many... I think The Spectator has a podcast, but, you know, there are a lot of kind of tech-savvy fascists the tech fascist is this whole breed <laughs> of uh, kind of evil fucking vampire that we've seen emerge <laughs> over the last few years. But a complete a tech vampires has completely <laughs> taken my mind off everything. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know what? John Rental of The Independent used to work on an oil rig. Did he? Yeah. What? He, he did. He, before he made his living cleaning Blair's boots with his tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read this, and it instantly conjured to mind that uh, Neil Young song he wrote about the oil trade. I'm a vampire baby <laughs> sucking blood from the earth. And of course I thought of the classic Werner Herzog film John Rentoul Phantom der Nacht. I mean, it's just the BBC's lack of impartiality. It's like they've all given up. It's because everyone else they know is just like, well, I'm going to be voting Tory this year, obviously. So they don't see that kind of received wisdom, which is like, oh, well, you know, the Tories basically got it together, haven't they? Labour, what's that all about? Like, uh, free school meals? Like, (laughs) I didn't need free school meals, did I? It was like, you get your own truck of caviar delivered (laughs) (laughs) through the gates just crash through the gates his mummy can pay for it later like free school meals tax on private school what about the struggling private school parents who are just getting by (laughs) (laughs) so where were we on the red and the blue I thought it was really good I I would highly recommend it to anyone to kind of get an idea of what was at stake at the time in the Labour Party in that particular election and to see the aspects of militant in there battling away at the right-wing elements of the Labour Party. Yeah. That, that's what's really kind of quite gripping. It focuses quite heavily on militant, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's yeah. a shame we haven't got Kieran with us tonight, actually. Yeah, because I'm sure if he hasn't seen it, he needs to check it out because there's a few figures he'll see in there who, of course, from, you know, kind of council in Liverpool and stuff. And we really wanted to kind of save a special episode for Tony Benn as well, because yeah. what was great about him is because, like, exactly, you talked about the very short manifesto he wrote, 
That's some radical shit in there. Yeah. Kieran likes to theorise kind of how, if it went the way of the Benites and stuff, how kind of it w- would have taken probably the same amount of time of the fucking, of Kinnock and his ilk losing those elections to kind of get to the point where Ben could get those policies into power and stuff. Well, it yeah. It would have taken time, but it could have got to that point. Comprehend- it was a long walk to power yeah, under Kinnock absolutely. and under yeah. Smith and under Blair. So, I mean, what's to say we couldn't have made yeah. that walk to power in another direction over, the, over a similar amount of time absolutely yeah the book you're talking about we will grab a hold of this uh... a future for socialism an agenda of the 21st century so we we got to thinking about this because the former chair of edinburgh labor or something to that effect who is to give you some idea of the extent of this guy's labor right atlanticism in his profile picture he is literally draped in an American flag standing in front of another American flag (laughs) (laughs) and he listened to our show and was not a fan (laughs) he listened to our Scottish specific episode, our first episode with Alistair and Liam from Scottish Labour Young Socialists and he said it was the worst experience he'd ever had oh my god (laughs) he also said it was the first left wing podcast he'd ever listened to which I think is bizarre. Why would he make the... We literally have a hammer and sickle in our logo. Why would he pick us? Like, why would somebody with, with those politics <laughs> go for us? But We're humbled. Yeah, we, yeah, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not picking political ramblings by Owen Jones <laughs> and Ellie Vera Hagen uh, in, instead of us. We are flattered. But he turned his heat on me for mentioning the on the back cover. <laughs> this it says, but Ben's going to privatise the monarchy and was like, <laughs> the fucking like, pseudo intellectual left talking about the back cover because they haven't even read the book they're talking about he's like the most unself-aware comment i've ever heard i'm like look (laughs) to self-own for a second i own about three tony ben books Mm -hmm. and this is the one that i can confirm i like totally have read (laughs) it's 64 pages long and quite big writing and i have read all 64 of those pages you motherfucker you (laughs) (laughs) i've read in in depth the not particularly detailed section about privatizing the monarchy but no it's very good it talks about ways of democratizing government it talks about how can you actually create a truly democratic democratic socialism so he talks about the nature of power where does power derive from in whose interest is power used what power have those in positions of leadership actually got he floats ideas of reforming the voting system he talks about all the sort of different elements of the british political system so he talks about the secret state and how he thinks that could be reformed he talks about the crown and his idea for um partially privatising the crown. (laughs) And he does also give you not merely a brief kind of synopsis of some of Marxist ideas, but he also talks about how they've been applied by revolutionary socialists throughout history. So he does set up something in contrast to 20th century revolutionary socialism, 19th century Marxism, but he does set up something that is 
a kind of alternative to that. But also, he does talk about dispensing with capitalism. He does talk yeah. about creating a complete break with our current system. And that is what lies partly of what the Corbyn movement wants to try and do. Yeah, well, I actually yes. think that the future for socialism by Tony Benn is something that budding Corbynistas should have a look at and I get making. It's quite cheap to pick up as well. It is, yeah. You can you can get hold of a secondhand copy online, really cheap. It's a brief read, but it's really interesting. It's really forward thinking, and because these ideas were kind of politically unacceptable at the time in a lot of cases, it hasn't actually dated too badly. It's it's forward looking. It it's genuinely we can take ideas for our blueprint from which to go forward from this. And another text I've been looking for is John McDonald's manifesto from when he ran as Labour leader in 2007. He published a manifesto then called a manifesto for the 21st century. Have you had any look finding it? I haven't. Yeah, I sadly haven't. If anyone can help us find that, that would be... Uh, yeah, actually, I think our mate, our mate Jack from the old Labour right might might be able to help us out on that one. Because McDonald's yeah. obviously a thinker. He's someone who has genuinely been putting a lot of thought over the years to how a radical left Labour government could enact radical transformative policies in practice, which... Uh, with Theresa May's announcement <laughs> a few yeah. days ago, we um, have really got to accelerate our thinking on. So yeah, I think people should seek out these kind of things. They should seek out Andrew Fisher Corbyn's policy advisor's book, The Failed Experiment, which quotes McDonnell and Corbyn to a lesser extent, quite extensively. And that, again, lays out some of these ideas and how they could be applied within Britain's infrastructure in order to create a break with neoliberalism. Not break with neoliberalism of the kind that, according to the New Statesman lot, Theresa May is bringing us, which I think will end up being um, a firmly neoliberal model. I mean, everything is at stake in this election. Did you like H. McLandris's idea that Corbyn should actually just start physically assaulting journalists on the campaign trail? Absolutely. <laughs> poll and ratings would shoot up overnight. Absolutely. And John McDonald should join him in that, and we should arm him. We should, we should arm him. What with Tom? Yeah. What would you arm him with? Uh, just whatever he would need. <laughs> I can imagine him being an AK-47 guy. <laughs> what would your weapon be? My weapon, if I was to join him in the revolutionary struggle, oh, God knows. I'll go for the AK as well. You know what mine would be? What? Salt for the slugs. Oh, salt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Boom. Nice. 69. <laughs> we'll probably take out the part where I'm mentioning I use weapons. Did you say he used weapons? No. <laughs> Wait, Tom, Tom, so Jock earlier. Although it was great that he launched in immediately with some anti-Lib Dem abuse, he didn't quite spout enough of it for my liking. So with your final bit of energy, before you shuffle off into unconsciousness, <laughs> can you spout some anti-Lib Dem abuse for me, for our listeners who need this to get them through the coming weeks? They well, need you, Tom. They need me. They're relying on you. You, you brought this, this them the is... video. The video of Tim Farrell oh, yeah, and the this, frogs. This, yeah, this was a... Uh, yeah, it was an incredible... Um... Tom, this isn't abuse. <laughs> this is just you praising your own work. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Tom. Okay, basically, Tim Farron 
you fucking frog. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know he supports ISIS? He's well, of course he supports. I mean, so do we, but <laughs> we don't. Oh, we don't. God. But you know, he does. The British state. He he does. He supports ISIS. And did you know he did Brexit? He did Brexit. He did the frogs turning gay. He, did, <laughs> he didn't. He, he did. Was he, it him who put the chemicals in the water? He, yeah, he but he, he he toes a line very similar to Alex Jones, he and does. he's saying that he's the real opposition. So if you the want opposition to, if you, to gay if, frogs, <laughs> although apparently he did that. Yeah. So he's the, he's the opposition Absolutely. to gay frogs in the same way mm-hmm. as he's the opposition to Brexit, which he is also fully responsible for. Guess what, folks? He can't stop Brexit. He can't. He can't stop Brexit. He can't. And he and he can't stop me going up to the water to the reservoir and, and, <laughs> and pouring in fluoride by the bucket load. <laughs> Those frogs are going to be pounding each other up the ass <laughs> for the foreseeable future, Tim. There is nothing you can do to stop them, you motherfucker. You ISIS-supporting, allegedly, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Who did Brexit. Follow at Tim did Brexit. <coughs> Solidarity, comrades. Solidarity. <laughs> We actually recorded on the day itself, but forgot to say, happy 420, guys. But secondly, <laughs> we would hereby like to endorse Tom Gann for the seat of, I think, Lewisham West, who I think will be a brilliant Labour candidate. Yeah. I hope we're not damaging his parliamentary prospects by saying this, but we won't put his name in the promotional materials just in case. We think the world of Tom Gann, he's an incredibly intelligent guy, he's a brilliant activist, a really passionate campaigner for what is good and what is right, and I don't think a constituency could ask for a better mm. Labour MP. We need more, MP, Tom, MP. Yeah, we need more Tom Gans in the Labour movement. We, we absolutely do. Tom Gann is a guy on the left who yeah. John McTurnan respects. <laughs> yeah, like, just, just let that, that sink is, in. Yeah, that's, Not even that's... in a bad way. Like, you know how, like, you know, John McTurnan started liking Clive Lewis when he, like, you turned on NATO and stuff. It's not even like that. I don't even want to say some of his more left-wing views. <laughs> that's, like, how legit his politics are. So, nice. yeah. Fair play to him. I hope he gets the selection. Legend. Yeah, we can all endorse him. Yair and Kieran would agree with us on this 100%. Tom Gann. Go for it. Tom Gann 2017. Imagine if Corbyn stepped down and just created a vacuum for Tom Gann to step into. Then he just began the revolution. Began. (laughs) I think the Real Politic podcast account must unite and state Tom Gann and the ideas that underpin Gannism at the heart of the Labour movement. We have to put all our resources into getting him into Parliament. (laughs) And then from then on and from then on he'll be the vanguard to not only The Gangard. The the (laughs) Gangard 
a Gangard. Sorry, carry on. No, that's basically it. Just we need to get Tom Gann in Parliament, and we need to get him as leader of the party within five years. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe even sooner. Like, you know, I obviously I yeah. still I still support. And all the moderates find this hilarious. They think this is just ridiculous. So I'm gonna say it. Like, I hope if we lose the election, Corbyn stays on as leader. Fuck yeah. you, cunts. Like, <laughs> like exactly because like who else is there? There is no one else. Like, I, I, no, not even Clive. The really. Nah, yeah, Clive. There's... Clive ain't ready. Clive is great. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely stood back a little bit and stop some of the different people whispering in his ear obviously I <laughs> don't, he? he's ob- he's take- yeah, don't he's, know who um... you're referring to there tom <coughs> owen, owen smith owen... was that oh uh, yeah yeah sure <laughs> what, what, yeah whatever if, yeah, let's just say it was owen smith just so the person we could be talking about doesn't start just going oh they're all ganging up on me this is why they left they'll never succeed they're all ganning up on me <laughs> <laughs> we are ganists we are, <laughs> we are... Ganites. We're going to be Ganites, yeah. We're going to be full-on <laughs> Ganites in the party if he can get in there. But yeah, honestly, good luck to him and his application for that. And yeah, his bid for, is it Lewisham West and Penge? I think that's the, the good luck, Tom. Uh, <laughs> welcome to The Real Politic, perhaps the only Marxist film podcast in the UK. I'm going to put that out there, maybe. I'm not too sure. I don't know if there are any others. And I reckon there are, but they're like an SWP front. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Trotsky was great, but... Most Trotskyists are just... There you go, there you go, there you go. um... It's like Blair, great bloke, but his follower... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible guy, terrible followers. Yeah, just all shite. What have the Blairites been up to since we last talked, Tom? I hear the McShit has been making a big show of things, hasn't he? Where's Streeting? What's he been up to recently? Is he just causing... Has he been causing shit in the last few days? What's he been doing? Where's Streeting, MP? Where do you start? Where's Streeting MP? Well, I mean, he is known for repeatedly briefing to papers and ultimately writing an op-ed for the New Statesman about how McDonald's is really good. And if you attack a company, you're attacking its workers. And poor people are also fucking thick that they think that McDonald's is completely beyond reproach and you can't ever criticize their favorite company i think that was the thrust of wes's article he tweeted yesterday after there was i'm afraid some very bad news in the french election like you will have heard about this but yeah absolutely it's uh, gonna be macron versus le pen yeah so the two well no they're not the two worst candidates because fion is worse than macron but macron's pretty fucking bad and centrists like macron have the politics but lay the groundwork for far-right extremists like Marine Le Pen fascists to sweep in on a tide of popular disenchantment with politics. So it's bad news in general for the French. Our boy Mélenchon... He tied with Fillon, didn't he? Yes. Not really kind of breaking in to challenge Le Pen, because Le Pen came second in the first round, then Macron just about edged her. Was that how it played out, I believe, from what I saw? I think so, yeah. And had, I think, half of Hamon, the French Socialist Party's candidate, had half of his voters gone to Mélenchon, like, say, if Hamon had dropped out, Mélenchon would have been able to get through into the second round. However, this wasn't really possible. Hamon had to stay 
in the race because did he not get above a certain percentage in the polls, I think maybe 5-6%, then the French Socialist Party would have basically gone completely bankrupt. It would maybe have destroyed the Socialist Party for good. How they were in a conundrum, they had to compete, they had to take part. Well, yeah, because the candidate from the Socialist Party, who would have probably had the most chance of taking that party into the second round, was obviously Macron, but he defected to start his own movement or party. I don't really understand what 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 is going on, to be honest, but... um, In March... Yeah, on March, yeah. On March. So you've got the kind of, like, blandest fucking neoliberal tossbag running against an actual fascist. And of course, I'm going to come out and say I probably would go out and vote for Macron to... I I, know, I definitely would go out and vote for Macron to keep Marine Le Pen out of power. But, God, like, you can't ask people to actually relish that choice. And it seems to me a lot of what the centrists are doing is saying people, you know, eat your fucking potatoes. Like that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you're damn well like your Macron. Wolf, wolf him down. Like, it's like disciplinarian parents. Yeah, so the journalist Ellie May O'Hagan got a bit of a bollocking from, like, the entirety of centrist Twitter yesterday because she tweeted investment banker versus fascist. And all these people who, like, actually think capitalism's good fucking, like, steamed in, like, the fucking dullards they are and rule like how how can you say that macron and le pen are exactly the same how can you say that ellie and of course like nowhere did she fucking say that in fact she actually said she'd go out and campaign for macron which like frankly i couldn't bring myself to do even though i'd vote for him i wouldn't, so, I wouldn't get that dedicated to his movement <laughs> yeah i just hold my nose and just kind of cast the ballot and just be just hopeful that we can keep the pen out yeah so these centrists started spreading this kind of fucking straw man about uh, to use very kind of like oh, you have uh, thrown an ad hominem and a straw man at me sir they, they've, they've created this uh this kind of burning wicker man of an argument <laughs> I'm, I'm talking shit i am talking fucking shit this is what politics is reducing us to and where we just like wow we're really come to the point now where we've got another fascist in france maybe oh great we've got one in america now one in france just this is what it's doing to us people we're losing our minds we can't <laughs> we can't even form sentences anymore to engage and- in debate because we're just getting hammered by fash we can't <laughs> take it no more and again, just like help. in America when Hillary Clinton got the nomination over Bernie Sanders, the fucking centrists yeah. are all saying, how dare you on the left have any problem whatsoever with some austerity-loving, market-loving, fucking union-bashing, neoliberal fucking suit. Some and then fucking when they lost, yeah. square. Like, exactly. some fucking neoliberal square fucking then they lost... code cop. Like, they're like, how can you object to that in any way? And then when they lost the election, they didn't take any accountability for it. They just blamed the left and particularly Bernie Sanders following. They took yeah. no response responsibility whatsoever for their lack of policies you know anything to try and mobilize people to go out and vote yeah uh, they blame bernie sanders absorbing themselves and blaming everyone else his supporters and russia putting russia aside for a second the thing is most bernie sanders supporters did go on to vote for hillary clinton and it still wasn't enough to save her fucking miserable corrupt gold breaking ass and that's the thing like melanchon he's in trouble with the centrists at the moment because he 
said, right now he's not going to endorse anyone in the second round. What he's going to do is he's going to poll his supporters, conduct a referendum on if he should support anybody at all in the second round, or and if so, who. Um, and just as with the fact the huge amount of Bernie Sanders supporters, the large amount of Bernie Sanders supporters, went and out and voted for Hillary Clinton, just as under right-wing leaderships for years and years now, left-wing members of the Labour Party have dutifully gone out and voted Labour. Most of Mélenchon's supporters are definitely... Sorry, I can't say that because it's 2017. You can never say definitely. But um, they're definitely, maybe, <laughs> going to nom <laughs> nominate to... Uh, just Simon, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> they're going to nominate, um, like, Macron. Because why the fuck wouldn't you? These people, um, you know, all this shit at the moment about how all oh, the French communists and the French fascists, like, there's, a, you know, the same areas, the same kind of people. Fucking horseshoe nonsense. The left, as always, will come to the defence of a fucking miserable, shit, wet, reactionary, neoliberal candidate. And who knows, it might be enough to push Macron over the line. But, you know, you can't, you can't ask anyone to be happy about that. So, where's Streeting MP? Bringing this <laughs> argument so full circle. Back to where Streeting. <laughs> tweeted upon seeing on Sky News news desk that far-left candidate Jean-Luc Mélenchon says he will not endorse any candidate for the second round of a French presidential election. Streeting said, there's a fascist on the ballot paper, but Mélenchon won't pick a side. Tells you all you need to know about his futile gesture politics. That's hilarious. That's just pretty rich coming from West Eating MP. Yeah, who has told people that McDonald's he doesn't think that the leader of his party, Jeremy Corbyn, would be a good prime minister. He's effectively going out and telling people that the Labour Party in its current state is not worth voting for. And he's telling people off for not picking a side. He said, no, 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 but I said, you know, there's a fascist. Theresa May's not a mm. fascist. But of course, our friend the journalist Matt Turner went back and dug up where's streeting, in fact, posting an article that said that Theresa May's policy platform was basically the same as the BNP's in 2005. <laughs> so if Wes thinks that, then, you know, why can't he just support Jeremy Corbyn? I've spoken to people on the right of the Labour Party who, you know, they're not feeling optimistic about this election necessarily. They don't support Jeremy Corbyn for leader. They'd, they'd rather he wasn't. But for this period of time, they're shutting the fuck up with their criticisms about him. They still think that he would be infinitely preferable to a Tory prime minister. And they still want the Labour Party to maintain its strength in the country by winning the maximum amount of seats. And people like Wes Streeting are just wreckers. They're just saboteurs. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's good that he's putting this stuff on Twitter so we can screenshot it. Then if he ever tries to argue otherwise in future, well, we'll just be like, well, you, sir, are a wrecker, and here is all the evidence to suggest it. Back in the day, of course, the odd comment you would have made at a conference, of course, would have been, you know, only heard by a few people. But on Twitter, everyone can see it. Everyone can see how much of a fucking wrecker you are. Yeah. Streeting get fucked. You McDonald's MP <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> this is a kind of uh, vim and vinegar that I wasn't hearing in you in, in our last session, Tom. Our That's... last session was, yeah, we were 
we were not in good states to record, so we <laughs> reconvened to record for a, a special episode, part of our election season specials. Yeah, um, well, you were just talking about conferences, weren't you? I was, and this documentary is a wonderful piece from 1983, released almost a year after it was shot. It's centred around the October 1982 Labour and Conservative Party conferences, and it's called The Red and the Blue, directed by Ken Loach. And it is a great piece of documentary filmmaking, focused mainly on the activists within the Labour Party and some of those in the Conservative Party who are linked to the Monday Club, Conservative Monday Club, and it kind of focuses on their kind of movements. What's the, the Monday Club? Ah, well, we'll get into them because one of the Conservative individuals we're going to be talking about is from that Monday Club, and the Monday Club was, uh, I'll, I'll quickly talk about it now, the Monday Club was basically a, a pressure group set up within the Conservative Party back in 1961, and it was set up in response to the Harold Macmillan Conservative government, where they deemed that basically Harold Macmillan had taken the party to too far to the left on issues like immigration and decolonialism so it's an intrigue so basically just the nastiest bunch of right-wing nonces you can imagine <laughs> in a club named after perhaps the worst day in the week so that's a lot of fun. We, and we'll be talking about uh, one of the members that are actually in this but we'll get on to him in a bit but yes the red and the blue is an interesting documentary isn't it jack well it worth is. checking out so you have the conservative conference where they're very much riding high on the falklands and and you have the Labour Party conference, which is mostly kind of infighting going on. And you have the confrontations on the conference floor where they're addressing conference. And there's also a great there's a great tribune meeting which features uh, Dennis Skinner, Neil Kinnock. <laughs> and there's a confrontation there, which is documented, which we'll Was... come on to. In the documentary, there's a number of like mentions of militant and even Dave Nellist, who was a Coventry MP. He was, there's a part in it when he, he was, of course, Dave Nellist, who was a member of parliament for one of the Coventry constituencies. He was well known at the time for only accepting a parliamentary wage that was the average of his local constituents. And in his speech to conference, he was going on this attack on the extravagance of Labour MPs and their salaries and how 80 of them haven't paid £80 out of their salary to go towards Waldworth Road. And I don't know what he was referencing when he was going on about Walworth Road, but I'm guessing I've looked it up and it's supposedly a street in London. He was basically calling out some of them for not giving a little bit of their wage towards that. Again, I, you know, it's I, I don't know the significance of Walworth Road and why they were giving money and raising money for it. But uh, yeah, he was basically attacking the extravagant salaries of Labour MPs and how yeah. a lot of them weren't really reinvesting that into the party. And this, of course, immediately angers a few of them who are like... Yeah. Uh, we won't accept these claims from Mr. Nellist or any other members of the militant organisation. You've got the yeah. same fucking rump of, like, right-wing fucking sycophants who all, like, hold some kind of minor position in the Labour Party yeah. and are deeply invested in fucking kissing the asses and fucking licking the feet of anybody, like, superior to them in the Labour Party. So whenever one of the militant guys criticises MPs, there's just this sort of murmur, like, <laughs> and then the militant guys will mention party democracy and everyone's like, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, they, so whenever anything like that's mentioned, they, you know, there's usually, like, a well-spoken Labour MP who follows up who's, like, completely rattled and just goes yeah. onto a tirade. That's completely false! 
we put plenty of our salaries back into the party. And everyone, of course, in the rooms just starts jeering and calling them out. And it's mad. Honestly, you know, it, what, what the great thing about this documentary shows is really how much of a rift there was in the party between the Labour right and, and the emerging radical militant tendencies. So we do get a segment of the documentary dedicated to a debate going on within Tribune. And, and during the uh, Tribune meeting, we start off with Neil Kinnock uh, quoting Eric Hobsbawm who was his favourite British Marxist. Yes, uh, really? Neil Kinnock had, had a favourite British Marxist, and he it was Eric Hobsbawm. And he starts talking about one of Hobsbawm's quotes about unity is strength and how essentially a divided left can never see off the right. And, and Kinnock, of course, uses this against the hard left of the Labour Party and, and talks about hit lists that he says he's on. And then he just immediately after just gets absolutely seen off by a, a woman on the panel who uh, wasn't able to identify. But she says something along the lines of this is framed as being a confrontation between the soft left and the hard left. As an outspoken lass, I see it as a division between the socialists and non-socialists. It's Yes! Yes. That is quite a salient point, actually, because when people are talking about the divisions on the left, a lot of the time they're talking about the divisions between the left and liberals who have a completely different political outlook. And I think it's quite clear after the last couple of years that it's quite hard to keep radical socialists and sort of guardian liberals really working together that effectively, at least when the socialists are in charge. And of course, all of that is intercut between... The editing of this documentary, I'd like to point out, is actually really good. I really wanted to draw attention to the editing of this documentary because it's really great. It's overseen by Jonathan Morris, who is a long-time collaborator of Ken Loach's and has worked on most of his films from the late 1970s, early 80s onwards. And he even edited his most recent film, I, Daniel Blake. But yeah, it's really great because a lot of the vignettes between the Labour and the Conservative Party conferences kind of perfectly transition from one to another. So one moment we're focused on like a shipbuilder who's talking about how he's been with the Labour Party since he was 16. He's moved his way up to being a secretary of his constituency Labour Party and then become a delegate to the conference for that year. And then it kind of just perfectly transitions from a very gritty looking doc setting to the tranquil British countryside and you start hearing a woman's voiceover going on about I'm a great believer in hard work and initiative a fraction to the Conservative Party that it's the party of free enterprise I do think it encourages small businesses after all Napoleon despised them and look where that goes just, That's just... my favourite bit of the whole documentary. Napoleon yeah. despised it, and look where that got him. And then she just keeps going on about how we need to get rid of what she calls feather bedding, and we need to instil the drive to work again. And it's just a great <laughs> contrast from the last scene where you have this young working-class man, like many of his time, working in industries that help prop up his local community and representing the people of his community by being engaged in a political party. Then you just transcend to this countryside setting where this person is just going off on one, just coming out with utter shit on how working class people don't have the drive to vote it's just like yeah just completely sees off that argument she's also interesting because she goes on and talks about how obviously one of the groups within the conservative party that she's a member of they go over to america and she talks about and is really intrigued by the concept of the new booming american consumerism and she goes on about how in amazement the fact that you can 
drive along the streets at night and you can go into a store and buy a dress in the middle of the night. Yeah. And then, and then somehow, and it's quite interesting how a lot of Thatcherites of that type were really kind of invested in trying to bring the American consumerism over to the UK. Instead. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, to... she kind of says how she, yeah, she goes into this shop and they're like, they're open at midnight and, and yeah. uh, they're, they're like, all night excuse, to, to make excuse me, missus, have you ever met Margaret Thatcher? Yeah. She's my hero. <laughs> and then, and then, and then the American like congratulates her, going, "You did good on the Falklands," and it's just, "Oh yeah, <laughs> you did good on the Falklands." And it's just... do, you, do you remember that Workers' Revolutionary Party bloke who came up to us in the spoons? Yes, who, who said he left we... Labour because of the Falklands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for anyone, I think we've already talked about on the show, but when me and Jack were in a Weatherspoons down in Uxbridge not too long ago, yeah, I told the story on our uh, slice episode. Uh, yeah, we were approached by a Revolutionary Workers' Party member. But yes. It's interesting you know because that guy left the labor party because of the falklands i joined the labor party because of the iraq war still the right decision and i will defend it to this day chilcott doesn't know a fucking thing <laughs> i'm gonna look for it now because like this is just like yeah here we go the garrisite pro-democracy anti-totalitarianism <laughs> Oh, fucking hell, where is it? Are some votes for... This guy writes loads. Like, his Twitter profile is great. Like, his name's Jake Wilde. We are our choices. Great writer, Jake Wilde. Ah, <laughs> oh, where the fuck is it? Blair. I'll just search Blair. Yeah, what? well, there's 11 mentions of Blair. So, <laughs> this is a piece called 2001 Again by Jake Wilde. I'm intrigued by this. Let's hear what Jake Wilde has to say. Okay, so this, this piece is fucking great. It starts, I've never been much of a joiner. <laughs> like, the profession? Like, he's, he's never joined. I was thinking, like, <laughs> yeah. like uh... I've never been much of a fucking, like, woodworker. Like. <laughs> At university, the assorted political parties of the left, or their front organisations posing as single-issue groups, <laughs> revolted me. And none of the major political parties offered anything that interested me. In hindsight, I think that's because I was following a path that had more resonance in the United States than in the United Kingdom, where the anti-Stalinist left had embraced the principles of democracy, personal freedom and liberty, more commonly associated with American conservatism. I hold... Yeah, I hold a general view that the state has a key has key role to play in delivering essential services to its citizens and can and should do things the market can't and won't. I think he's talking about pumping shitloads into the military industrial complex yeah. here. Um, I, I'm getting that sense as well. Hmm. But that individuals need to have the freedom to operate economically outside of state control and to have complete freedom of political thought. The problem I always Mate, you're had... just a fucking conservative, like, <laughs> let's be honest, like... Well, he addresses this. The problem I always had with Marxism was that the cobbler could never make a pair of shoes for his daughter. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> like... What is this fucking drivel? This 
I, I bet I, he types, sits there typing this, writing, just, ah, oh, this is going to be years to come. This is going to be looked <laughs> back on as just great critiques of the left think, and right. I think he thinks that, like, if it's some, like, commune, the cobbler just makes some fucking shoes. They're like, here you go, little girl. And then the fucking, like, Stasi just kicked down his door. Like, you motherfucker, <laughs> you. I'm, first of all, I'm collectivizing these shoes. Second of all, you are fucking gulag fodder, my friend. <laughs> Fuck your shoes. Fuck your daughter. Not in the way Donald Trump d- Um... And the problem, Jake Wilde continues. Oh no, please! I'm I'm desperate to hear. And the problem I always had with the, pro- Lenin- the problem with this is it doesn't flow well. And the problem I always had with Leninism and Stalinism was the mass murder. And of course, you will find there is there is nothing mass murdery about this guy's worldview. In short. Although I didn't know it at the time, I was more of a neoconservative than anything else. <laughs> and in oh, the late nineties. There really wasn't much interest in attracting the neocon vote. When Tony Blair became the first Labour Prime Minister of my adult <laughs> I was pleased, but no I more so than any here. other Labour voter. It never occurred to me to join the Labour Party, as it still tolerated the kind of people we now call Corbynistas. When I started work and became a trade union representative... <laughs> Like, this guy's union? politics is just like all over the place. Like, is it like is it, this has got to be the fucking GMB, the war union. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what union would a neocon be part of? He said, I encountered these people every day and they moved in the same sphere and held broadly the same views as those in the Socialist Party, the Socialist Workers' Party, respect, <laughs> famous force on the left, and the Scottish Socialist Party. There was no obvious distinction between those of them who were members of the Labour Party or those who were in the fringe parties. Any differences between them seemed to be much more about which personality cult they favoured. Christ. God. Does there, is there any other enlightening thoughts that oh, yeah, here we go. has to share? The single event that prompted me to join the Labour Party was for 2003 military intervention in Iraq. This <laughs> <laughs> guy is fucking, fucking great. I'm done. <laughs> Finally, here was a political party actually prepared to fight fascism rather than pretend to do so in order to promote its agenda. Saddam Hussein was not a fascist. This guy, this guy. He is bad, guy. mate. He's a fucking He's fascist. Wild. He's a buffist, wasn't he? Like us, Britain's only buffist. <laughs> yes, we are Britain's only buffist. Um, it is often said that the far left have been at the forefront of the fight against fascism, sexism, racism and homophobia. This is nonsense. <laughs> it's been the neocons throughout history. Oh, really? He says... The far left have always hijacked those campaigns to use them for self-promotion, to swell the numbers, seemingly prepared to foment revolution, or to use those causes to rail against capitalism and, with the first letter of each word capitalised, the West. Um, <laughs> I think I think he's mistaken. He's the... mistaken in most of his takes. But yeah, I think he's mistaken the SWP for the entirety of the left. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm getting that sense. He's, he only sees, yeah, his idea of the left is just kind of Socialist is... Workers' Party, Trotskyist infiltration. That's his idea of what left-wing politics completely yeah. is. Any this, is, this is not an essay about Iraq. 
but I remain firmly of the view that the liberation of the Iraqi people ranks alongside the creation of the NHS and yes. the introduction of the minimum wage yes, and the pantheon of achievements by the Labour Party. I love how his idea of the liberation is just the deaths of hundreds of thousands yeah. of men, women and children. Like, fucking bravo. Yeah. It strikes me that in the same way that Iraq has become the standard retort to any defence of Blairism, Syria will be the single word used to define the Labour Party's post-Iraq cowardice. Yeah, but by fucking cunts like you. These fucking strange, like, rock-chiselled faces who want to drop a bomb on their own fucking mum. Like, unlike Iraq, where military action would have taken place even without UK involvement, the military action against Assad did not occur solely because the UK did not participate, and they say you can't accomplish anything in opposition. <laughs> <laughs> and precisely because of the attitude of the Labour Party, as directed by the then Corbyn led Stop the War Coalition, <laughs> I can scarcely think of a figure who had more influence over the Ed Miliband Labour Party than Jeremy Corbyn. This guy is fucking onto something. <laughs> Thus, where the liberation of Iraq led to democratic elections and a multicultural society. <laughs> Oh, what is this guy on? What is he talking and, about? And the establishment of a very democratic, multicultural caliphate. <laughs> the non-liberation of Syria has led to a fascist, torturing, murdering, sectarian dictator remaining in power. Labour should take credit for the former and must take blame for the latter. Jeremy Corbyn... This is, this is fire, this bit. Jeremy <laughs> Corbyn has far more blood on his hands than Tony Blair. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that is, is a fire take. good neoliberalism. Some good shit. That, so, that neoliberalism is some fire. With the reason for my joining Labour, now treated with disgust, and the party under the far left's control, the Ed Miliband Stop the War Coalition... I am back where I started. That Tories me. I was only ever what I'll call a CBB's Blairite of a generation with young kids. Fucking hell, this guy's got kids. Someone has fucked this guy when Blair was at his height, the height of his powers, and only needing a elementary understanding of what Blairism was in order to support it. I'm glad you have a elementary understanding of Blairism. I doubt that there will ever be a political party that fully represents my views, but in that sense I am no different to those who share my viewpoint on the other side of the Atlantic, who must have found themselves looking at Trump and Clinton in the same way I look at May and Corbyn, with a boner for different reasons. One out of rage and one out of, ooh, mummy spank me. Oh, yeah, Nevertheless, um, is this the guy's conclusions on his? Uh, is, he, is this his concluding? Statement oh fucking hell! No, this goes on for fucking ages. We're not okay. reading the whole thing. He like okay. praises Manuel Valls, like one of the cunts <laughs> who's just completely fucked everything up in France. I bet this guy signed the Euston Manifesto along with George Eaton and the lads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he quotes Leo Strauss, one of the founders of neoconservative thought. Like. Okay, but I'm 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 done. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway, uh... Jake Wilde, great writer. Check him out. 
Well, speaking of weird conservative types, there's a guy in the documentary you watch who's a member of the Conservative Monday Club who appears throughout the documentary. Yeah, is this a northern guy? Yeah, he is. He is a northern guy, isn't he? And he, he is rem- fucking repulsive. He had this awful kind of like blokey yes. swagger. Yeah, well, he he was. I get the impression that he was socially inept, but he tried to front a kind of blokey edge to him, but it Maybe. just really did. Because like you know the part when like they're leaving like a conservative meeting and there's loads of like i'm guessing left-wing activists like campaigning and like shouting abuse and he's just looking at the camera he's also oh look at them how shall i talk to them the only way i can talk to them is in the language that they're used to me and he's just kind of awkward looking at the camera and he's about to say something that he stops and he's yeah he's a member of the conservative monday club that we were talking about and at their height they had about ten thousand involved but in recent numbers there's only about 600 involved with them and i don't even think the conservative party are actually affiliated with them anymore they cut ties a long time ago enoch was never a member However, Tebbit was. And Tebbit is actually described in this by, because uh, our good comrade Tony Benn makes a cameo in it, and he describes yes. Norman Tebbit as a creature of the 19th century. <laughs> Ben's great in this documentary. He, he appears at the very beginning and then he appears later on in it where he attacks the age old ideas of feudalism and continues. And what he does, as he always does, what I love about Ben is that he always links the importance of the great English radicals to the labour movement. So he, yeah. he always argues that socialism didn't start with Marx, it started with peasants, the levellers, the diggers. And that was the first instances, the very first broad strokes that you could call socialism in this country. And that's yeah. what. In this but, country, anyway. Yeah, definitely, yeah, exactly. And uh, but yeah, we'll 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 talk more about Ben on on that special episode we've got lined up with Max Shanley. But yeah, yeah, we don't want to sort of blow our load on Ben. I mean, yes. in more ways than one, because <laughs> we fucking love social- that guy. Absolutely, the socialism of Ben is not just because I mean the guy didn't read Marx until he was in his like fifties. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's so much that underpins well, his ideas of socialism that will. Dennis Healy that said that about Ben, didn't he? He said he didn't read Marx until he was in his fifties. He thought it was wonderful. <laughs> I, think, I, I quote that literally because I, I think Ben himself actually said he didn't read like. Um, yeah, he he got quite late into Marx, but who cares? You know, he yeah. was he was influenced by some great ideas in socialism. Can we have a tweet of the day in here? Go ahead. Okay, so this tweet is from our friend. Oid PTG, and I know it's not actually supposed to be said like Oid PTG, but he said he finds it funny, so I'm going to keep saying Oid PTG. He tweeted a while ago, this is a vintage tweet from the 7th of April, Tim Farron likened gay people to frogs, which is fucking rich of him considering he's such a fucking toad. <laughs> Seen off. Yes, we need to carry on this line of gay frogs, Tim Farron, he is a toe. It will stick. I mean, it has the uh, benefit of being true, so... Yeah, so it happened. It's real. What do you think of this thing that Zoe Williams from The Guardian is saying? That she's expecting a big Labour defection to stand against Kate Hoey? Tony Blair, maybe? Because I, I've been seeing some people on left-wing Twitter going, hell, I would actually campaign for Kate Hoey, just yep. to keep that fucker <laughs> out. And you know what? I tweeted critical support for Kate Hoey if she goes up against Blair. Yeah, you know what? Not a big fan of Kate Hoey, but anything nah. to keep that fucking demon out. Just keep yeah. that. <laughs> Kate Hoey, fucking awful, abhorrent views, shit MP. Tony Blair, literally one of the worst people ever to have lived. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, cannot be allowed back into politics. He <laughs> has blood on his fucking hands. But I don't actually think that Blair will end up 
going for uh, a seat running against Labour, as he has already said, despite the fact he actually came out and said to people, you know, he came out and praised Theresa May and said, you know, you should vote for an anti-Brexit Tory MP if you think they're going to, like, get the job done. Yeah, but um, he has had to clarify now that he personally will be voting Labour, so I'm not sure, unless he votes against himself. (laughs) Blair votes for Hoey. Yeah, sorry, I keep steering the conversation away from the Ken Loach documentary because I don't really remember that much about it and have, like, nothing to contribute. So that's alright, man, that's alright. Uh, we'll, we'll edit that part out, that's alright, we'll just... Yeah, I might, I might even keep it in. But if you have any more thoughts on it, like, yeah, you know, speak like, now or forever uh, hold your peace. Absolutely. The Northern guy who's featured from the Conservative Party, who's part of the Conservative Monday Club, he comes out with some absolutely hilarious shit. Great banter. The first thing he says in the entire documentary is, I was always told to be self-sufficient. He yeah. comes out with the typical sort of, you know, and then he goes on to his views on prison. There's the part when he's like talking to several different, I'm assuming they're also conservative members, but they're more moderate conservative. And yeah. he's like, and they're talking about crime and punishment. He's going on about like, we need the courts to implement sterner penalties. And then he's going on about the IRA would blow you to smithereens if it had half the chance. I'm not then... very much concerned what the IRA do to me. <laughs> <laughs> that girl was fucking great. I fell in love, like, instantly. And as I said earlier on in the episode, in the bit we recorded last night, I am convinced she's in the IRA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say I'm absolutely sick of cunts coming out and saying, oh, so Corbyn got foreign policy issues, right? What about Ireland? What about Palestine? It's like, no, he, we... got, he got them right too (laughs) fucking imperialist and and then and then this guy his thoughts on workers getting a pay rise and he goes what right do they have to appear as (laughs) inflation what right do you have to a decent standard of living exactly again i'd really highly recommend it because it sets the scene perfectly for what was going on in the run-up to the 1983 general election it gives you an insight to how in part the labor party lost that election and also it shows you why the conservatives were were riding such a high tide time with the falklands and stuff that really kind of helped them in terms of polling and just confidence to go into that election and again and of course we had the sdp split as well which did not help at all but um Worst yeah. toads. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can we call out Camilla Long, actually? Oh, for her have, have we ever mentioned disgraceful... Camilla Long? Yeah, we have. The, the, we, um, the, Times, we... the Times film critic, Camilla Long, who uh, did not like our Daniel Blake. Yeah, see, at The Guardian, they have, they sort of outsource their bigotry. They have a bigotry correspondent, John Harris, who goes around to the North asking people if they uh, hate immigrants. And, um <laughs> The Guardian, they sort of source their bigotry from around the country in a very kind of authentic way. The Times, they just got Camilla Long. She's their in-house bigotry correspondent. She's literally connected to royalty. Like, she, she is literally in the bloodline to it, so, like... She is a lizard. Yeah, she just churns out the most repugnant kind of shit. The worst fucking takes around. And she's a film critic as well, but I think sometimes she writes about other stuff. So basically, she wrote an article... Uh, Can I just bring... In the documentary, the parts in there when it's focused on the Tory conference and they're sort of whining and dining and they're all talking to each other and you sort of eavesdrop on some of the conversations and... Like, what they're talking about is just utter shit. Like, yeah. 
they're all socially awkward when they're talking to each other. They're just and it's just it and they're like their facial expressions, the blinking, like <laughs> like they're like these people like blink incessantly, and they're like the they yeah, their facial muscles just kind of like just twitch every now and then. It's like the, the the fucking lizard inside is trying to break out of the skin that's containing them. It's just. It, <laughs> so we were talking about Camilla Long, and basically she wrote an article called something like Corbin's Posh Boys Can't Crush the Elite, in which she wrote, What on earth is Jeremy Corbyn doing with not one but two cadaverous wickamists in his immediate election team? Already you can tell this is like, like written for Tories, who's just like, cadaverous wickamists, good stuff. Have you, got, have you, have you got a link Matt's to this article? got a new cartoon. Uh, I'm just reading this. Uh, ben Judah posted some tweets about it. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, not going to give him traffic, and it's probably paywalled. Um, <laughs> yes, I, felt, I felt a stab of fury as the Grand High Lentil officially unsheathed his Transylvanian-hued director of strategic communications, James Schneider, the 29-year-old co-founder of the party's hard-left grassroots movement, Momentum. That's an age-old anti-Semitic trope to take a Jewish person like James Schneider and say they look like a vampire. It's different. Like, John Rental, A, not Jewish, B, actually literally is a vampire it's not a comparison <laughs> james schneider the way that camilla long is using this insult against him is clearly a kind of repugnant dog whistle and yeah she really i mean deserves to be like roundly condemned for this because it's repulsive because james schneider is a credit to the labor party and the labor movement our friend at mr considerate on twitter described it as dinner party anti-semitism and he said yeah. that it's extraordinarily persistent in english public life this kind of low level suspicion which you also saw directed at ed Miliband with stuff like the bacon sandwich yeah. But it got even better than something that wasn't good to start with. So James Schneider sort of decided to take things into his own hands. He changed his profile picture to a picture of him from that shitty anti-Semitic Times article. Of him being rudely doorstepped by some fucking hack cunt. With vampire boldly embossed over him. With a, a sort of, you know, like a review quote. Transylvanian hued the Sunday Times, allegedly a newspaper. <laughs> so he came out swinging, and he added the Sunday Times and Camilla Long to say, don't say Jews look like vampires, it makes you seem anti-Semitic. Thanks for my sinister new profile pic, though. <laughs> and then this fucking nonce called Ben Carfra <laughs> added him, saying, hi, that picture belongs to me. If you haven't paid to use it, could you remove it, please? Ben Carthra, his profile picture is Mr. Ben, the children's cartoon character. Right, okay. <laughs> People started pointing this out to Ben Carthra. H. McLandris said, Good to meet the creator of Mr. Ben, mate. Loved your show as a kid. And Ben Carthra said, Taken from free clip art, dot dot dot. And then at JMS Clee said, Hi Ben, I'm Mr. Ben's solicitor and he's asked me to ask you to cease and desist using his image to be a twat online. <laughs> <laughs> and then at Slowcuts said, Hi Ben, I'm the owner slash creator of this clip art. Could you please remove the tweet where you misattribute the image of Mr. Ben as one of my works? <laughs> <laughs> it got even better. Okay. So, at the real Mr. Ben joined in the conversation. <laughs> the real came, Mr. Ben. 
fucking steaming in the boy Mr. Ben, saying, and as if by magic, I could say the same to you, Ben. That image is subject to copyright. Please remove. <laughs> Slay King Ben is the most popular go. comment under that. The other comments are along the lines of fucking yes, seen off, fucking destroyed, get em, yes, and my man Ben coming in to save his identity from the vile haters. <laughs> I mean, James Schneider is, you know, he hopefully feels um, comforted that a lot of good people on the left have come out to defend him and also Mr. Ben, at real Mr. Ben. The boy. (laughs) There we go. Tom Uh, Gann, in fact, tweeted that Mr. Ben has now usurped Tony as the best Ben. (laughs) So you wanted to wrap up our discussion of the red and the blue, which I have had fuck all to contribute to i'm so sorry no that's right because in our previous recording you make a few really good points so it was fresh in my mind i was younger then i was younger but now <laughs> i was so much older then i'm younger <laughs> than that now but yeah we finish off with the tribune event which we've already mentioned and yeah so basically the labor proceedings ends with just an incredible speech given from dennis skinner so after neil kinnick yes. goes on his like self-righteous oh i'm on a hit list oh like like Skinner just concludes with this wonderful dissection of Neil Kinnock's hit list remarks. He's just going on about kind of, you know, you are on 14,000 quid a year and you're worried about being on a hit list? It ain't possible, is it? And he's just absolutely just bringing down the house and seeing off Kinnock, who obviously went to the Tribune panel trying to peddle a kind of self-righteous struggle to those attending, saying that it's the hard left to a one's causing the, the, you know, the strife here. And of course, while this is going on, we're into cutting back to the Conservative Party conference, where it's just a room has been transformed into a giant hall to accommodate this big ball where just people are just, just in big dresses, wine asunder, old men just about being held up by their young dance partners. And it's just, and then you're intercutting between that and Dennis Skinner just kind of absolutely seeing off Kinnock. Just, yes. it's, it's great. So, yeah, like, you know, I want to leave most of it to you going on YouTube and checking this out because this is not widely known. I did a bit of research on the red and the blue. And apart from like a BFI screen online page, which kind of gives a pretty nice summary of it, there's not much else available online. And it's no. pretty hard to pick up a physical copy. But thankfully, there is a copy on YouTube, a pretty good copy, which includes adverts from the time. So yes. it's really hilarious to watch these radical debates between capitalism and socialism. And then the, the adverts are just kind of just the most blatant consumerist bullshit peddled in front of what, your eyes. With what just, were they? What, what, can you remember any of them? A lot of synthesizers, I remember. A lot of synthesizers and uh, floral adverts, a computer advert, yeah. and just like, really I, heavy I synthesizer beats in the background, just kind of yeah. dating it by decades. It's, it's great. There's an advert on there as well for like, you know, buy like a 22-inch colour TV now or hi-fi system for 299 It's like, yeah. yeah, it's like kind of, it's... A colour TV fucking hell it's i know it's mad isn't it it's absolutely fucking mad (laughs) and but yeah you can watch this on youtube now and it has those adverts included and there's not many people it's not been viewed much there's only like a one i saw on i think there's only one upload of it available and it's yeah. just got a couple of hundred views. So this, this if you, if you want to, if you're in election fever and you want to kind of get an idea, a more clear idea of the, all the various complex issues that were surrounding the run up to the 1983 election, not just this 
idea that it was the longest suicide note in history that condemned us. There was yeah. so much else going on at the time. And That's Ken Loach's, yeah, exactly. Ken Loach's documentary really helps lay that out. It's just great seeing working class activists just getting up on the stage and just pissing off people like Callahan who are just sat at the sidelines shaking their head when they're kind of going into how the right of the party aren't investing enough money in and all sorts. It's just great to watch. I highly recommend it. And it's well edited. The usual social realist style that Ken Loach employs in most of his work. He's just shot hours and hours of footage and just... He doesn't really do yeah. close-ups, exactly. Ken Loach. Well, he thinks close-ups are right-wing. He thinks you're, like, <laughs> objectifying a person if you, like, do a close-up. Um, <laughs> he, just, but... he just lets it all play out. I've read a few analyses of Ken Loach's work in the 80s saying that he wasn't at his peak, but no. I know this wasn't, like, a theatrical release, but it was, like, broadcast on It was on more that 4. he wasn't getting work. It wasn't that his exactly. powers yeah. had dimmed. Exactly. It was more just that nobody would fund a film by him and nobody would air a film by him on TV. Exactly. Because of the so, social climate in the film industry at the time where it was just in the 60s and 70s when you had more social realist filmmaking it was dying out at that time as the conservative ideals of individualism were kind of coming into prominence in the film industry in Britain. Yeah absolutely like by the 1980s the kind of marketable sort of British film was like Chariots of Fire or yeah, some Tory like, shit. Yeah kind of harking back to like the Empire like you notice a lot more films depict the British Empire even going yeah. into the 90s and, and you'll notice that for the 1987 election they didn't hire ken loach to direct kinnock the movie they hired hugh hudson who directed chariots yeah. of fire which if you <laughs> want to hear more of our thoughts on you can go back to one of our earlier episodes on the labor party political broadcast where yeah we dissect episode all five of i think great yeah. episode good it's good but, but, <laughs> do you yeah. say so myself the original core trio me tom and yair <laughs> fire content yeah i think that was the episode before kieran joined the show anyway i wanted to make a point that it also the red and the blue captures Labour's conference at a very particular moment in history before it was kind of hollowed out and turned yeah, into yeah, this yeah. kind of glorified celebratory rally. Absolutely. It, when it was really a kind of hub of democracy. And there's still that element to it. But even at the time when people like Ben wanted to significantly democratise the Labour Party, it was more so than it subsequently become. Yeah, so Loach really got in there in the dying days of a Labour Party in which the left could at least be accommodated in and, some kind of yeah. way. And at the very end of the documentary, Loach captures perhaps one of the most woke Tories ever. Well, he... Soob's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, Soob's probably would have been in the uh, SDP at the time. But uh, it ends with some young Tory activists who they're trying to get off the platform. And he just goes off on one and just goes, I'm not trying to stifle debate. Your ruling makes a better point than I. How this entire conference is stage managed from start to finish. And then there's just like one or two cheers in the audience going, here, here, Who's that? It's just some Tory activists who just kind of like... like oh, I thought it was going to be Ken Clark or something. No, no, it's just, it's just <laughs> some random young Tory activist who's just like trying to make a point and they're trying to get him off the platform. Then he just breaks out going, this whole entire conference is stage managed. And like <laughs> yeah, it's one of the well, you're in the wrong fucking party, mate. Like, the Tory party isn't about democracy. Theresa May, they didn't even elect her leader and they're all completely fine with it. Where is she? Where is... Where where is Theresa May? Where, where, where is, is she? Where is she? Yeah, like, yeah, she, I mean, you know, so what's she doing? Like, like, what is she doing? She's laying low, and all the journalists are completely letting her off the hook for absolutely. it. They're like, well, you know, it shows strong leadership if you barricade yourself in the fucking house. It's like, when I don't get out of bed because I just can't be fucked with life, and I just stay in bed all day, like, just pissing about on my phone, that's strong leadership right there. <laughs> 
that is me right at the helm of a real politic organization this is what we need taking us forward sorry i didn't want to suggest i'm the leader of real politics you're you're the you're the uh the high <laughs> well i mean yeah the high yeah. of mind of uh you're the party you uh, maintain the party whip on the podcast well <laughs> that next three episodes are just going to be coming out going we are 100 percent unequivocally anti-democratic yeah no i mean i yeah fuck workers that. revolution bypassing <laughs> democracy workers revolutionary party tv listings sport like all of it <laughs> what was the, what was that um what uh what did it it was very undialectical when it described Mr. Bean's holiday as being excellent comedy. Yeah, well, undialectical and fucking plain wrong. I mean, like, for fuck's sake, that's an awful film. I was trying to think of anything that Rowan Atkinson has done that's quite dialectical. To be fair, the, not the 9 o'clock use, the Conservative Party speech. Mate, Blackadder is tight. Like, that shit yeah, still yeah, stands Blackadder's, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's a great show. Yeah, um, yeah. Richard Curtis and Ben Elton are both fucking bellends, obviously, but somehow it magically came together. I'd love to see, like, Richard Curtis do a film just sort of about people outside of his comfort zone. Richard Curtis is ISIS. Like, <laughs> just sort of, like, oh, hello, oh, you're, so you're interested in joining a caliphate as well. <laughs> I would love to see that. Richard Curtis's ISIS. Richard Curtis, social realist drama, set down to pit. <laughs> Richard Curtis's <laughs> The Wind That Shakes the Barley. <laughs> oh, wow. Now that, now that. I'm sorry, Ken. I love The Wind That Shakes the Barley, but I want to see Richard Curtis's version of that. Or Land and Freedom. <laughs> That yeah, one. yeah. Land and freedom, but instead of like Liverpudlian communists going out, it's just like some fuck. It's like the prime minister decides on a whim, like, oh, well, if the parliament won't go to war with the Spanish fascists, then I'll go out on my own accord. You know, like in Love Actually, when he's just like, fuck America. I haven't seen it, but did you bother watching the sequel to Love Actually for comic no, relief? Of course I fucking didn't. Like, what? <laughs> what you... like, why in what like, I thought for a joke, maybe you might have found it funny, like questioning why the hell is is Hugh Grant still prime minister? What kind of alternative reality of Britain is it where Hugh Grant is still prime <laughs> minister of Britain? And Richard he's still Curtis dancing. dystopia. Richard Curtis's dystopian drama. God, what a cack! Sorry, folks, but there will never ever be a Christmas special where we will ever ever dis- discuss love. Actually, I'm... this is literally it. This like, is the only can, time they can listen to this episode at Christmas time. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Take your fuck fucking shit Richard Curtis films with you yeah Merry Fuck fucking off. Christmas to a lot of you and your fucking Notting Hills and your Nonsing Hill <laughs> Nonsing Hill brilliant. brilliant but yes any concluding thoughts on the red and the blue and why should people should really check it out in the run up to the general election coming up well I think people should check it out because the red and the blue very starkly contrasts the differing values and cultures within the conservatives and the Labour Party and between different factions of those parties and that has never been more evident than in the 2017 election where we've got a far-right conservative party embracing an ultra-nationalist strategy a kind of figurehead leader who fucking never comes out of her room linton crosby running the campaign so there's going to be the most repugnant shite thrown at the labor party um and no real policies to speak of other than just yeah brexit we're going to do that yeah, go crush the saboteurs. Whereas the Labour Party, you've got a party that can 
take a nuanced position on Brexit and say we respect the vote on the referendum, but we will not let the Tories simply push through their vision of Brexit unopposed. And under Jeremy Corbyn, we have a leader who has always been an anti-racist activist, campaigning with Bernie Grant to set up the Labour black sections in the 70s and 80s, as a councillor in the 1970s, protesting against the National Front marches through his area, appearing at anti-apartheid rallies. That stuff is on the record. Like, you can't deny that Corbyn has been incredibly active. Most people have seen the picture now, haven't they, when he's got the sign, you know, know, when he's being arrested. You know, everyone's seen it. He's he's been there since the beginning, man. He's... He's always been anti-war, and he is a man who says he wouldn't fire a nuclear weapon. Good. Although, Nia Griffith, like, the shadow <sighs> defence secretary, has come out and said that she would. Well, yes. and, Yay, and I, nuclear annihilation! I think it's, a, it's about time that NATO Nia gets her sack, I think. She's been we need some moderate nuclear annihilation fast. In her role. Yeah, I mean, you can find quotes from, like, a fucking year ago where she's like, I am strongly in favour of unilateral nuclear disarmament. Now she's like, fucking kill everyone, burn them (laughs) to a crisp, leave it so there's not a fucking trace of a skeleton fucking strewn across this wasteland. They're all Uh, fucking melts, Jack. They're all melts. (laughs) I I know, and we might all literally fucking melt. Because of them, yeah. <laughs> because of them, yeah. So yeah, you have a strong socialist who wants to completely upend our rigged economy. Like, let's just let's just remind everyone: Ian Dunn supported Brexit, and Tim Farron did Brexit. He did. Um, it's the official line. Yeah. He did Brexit. Yeah. He did the gay uh, frogs. He did it. All. He did. He did the gay frogs. Yeah. <laughs> As we were saying earlier, we can have somebody who has consistently stood up for things that have been considered beyond the political pale despite obviously fucking being right for decades we can have him leading the labor party and leading the country and i think that is absolutely something that we should look forward to um and we should try to achieve six weeks to do it as well six weeks all or nothing so folks ken loach is the fucking boy the red and the blue we highly recommend please go check it out we'll link it on the podcast twitter account it's so easy to find and it's only an hour and 25 minutes long including the adverts so you really have no excuse go check it out it's fucking awesome yeah it's good enjoy anyway (laughs) until next time comrades take care and we will close with this tune here solidarity solidarity Sorry, what tune you're talking about, but we'll... I, uh... I, I left it. I just said this tune here, because I have no idea what tune yeah. it will be. So I just thought, oh, no passeran. Solidarity. Yeah, no passeran.
around and have a nice day. No fucking pass around. And have a nice day. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, and of course have a nice day. We, we we don't want to give the impression that all leftists are uh, you know we're just looking for a fight. But no, seriously, have a nice day. But no pass around nice day, and kill all no fascists. Pass around.